Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. kids as terrorists and targets. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I have some uh, pretty amazing stories for you about, uh, I don't even know whether to call them wannabe terrorists because actually they've already been uh, uh, charged and um, uh, one is already in jail. Well, actually, a couple of them are, in, are already in jail. Um, what's interesting is that uh, these two stories that I'm going to tell you about two different sets of kids, one from Russia and one from the UK, one set from Russia and one from the UK, um, their, their introduction to terrorism um, has come, of course, no, no surprise here. Well, there is, there is somewhat of a surprise. No surprise is that it's come from the internet, but it is somewhat of a surprise in terms of where on the internet. So why don't I just start with the first story, which is really fascinating. It, it is occurring in Russia and um, it's called the Minecraft terrorism case. Minecraft craft terrorism case casts Russian teens into legal nether. Now I'm going to explain, go, do a little background for those who aren't as familiar with Minecraft or the nether. Minecraft is a video game that allows kids to interact not only with their friends, but with kids all over the world. And it is a particularly uh, addicting uh, video game. As you might already have heard in previous podcasts, I am not a fan of video games because they do, in fact, um, there have been decades and decades of studies that show that uh, the more violent entertainment, not just video games, but the more violent entertainment a person consumes, the more aggressive they become. Now, of course, this is all controversial, but you know the studies are the studies. And the only studies that have shown something else you know, that they're not, uh, they don't inspire people to commit violence are studies that have been funded by uh, violent media, whether it's uh, television shows or movies or video, particularly video game companies. So now I'm not saying I always have to sort of do this um, qualification because, you know, as people are sort of <laughs> tearing their hair out, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with video games. Uh, a lot, some video games um, are fine. You know, it's the violent ones that I'm talking about, just like the violent TV and movies. But video games are more powerful in terms of making people become violent because you are actually doing something physically, not just sitting there and watching something on a screen. 
you know, you're, you're shooting <laughs> typically or doing other acts of violence. Um, so, so Minecraft is particularly addicting and it, it actually has some very uh, creative parts to it. Um, it's unfortunate that the creativity is directed towards, for the most part, you know, violent acts. But in any case, I digress. I just wanted to give you a little background on Minecraft um, because this is what's behind um, this, this case of these Russian teens. And, um, you know, uh, it's, and I'm not saying that everyone who plays a violent video game is going to become a serial killer. But, or a school shooter, although all the school shooters that have been um, arrested so far have, in fact, had a, a history of being obsessed with violent video games. But in any case, um, but so even though people may not become a school shooter or a mass shooter or a serial killer, there is other violence that we all know is increasing around the world, uh, like domestic violence and you know, fighting over a parking spot or road rage or things like that. Anyhow, now to get back to the terrorists, <laughs> they, now it adds to it, uh, to the things that they can inspire, and we add terrorism to the group. So um, the nether also, let me explain that. Um, in Minecraft, there are dimensions, and the nether is a dangerous hell-like dimension that is filled with fire and lava and fungus and hostile mobs. Not, not a fun place to be. Um, and you create portals that can go to the nether and so on. Okay. Now, there are three 14-year-old boys who are facing lengthy prison sentences in Russia. They have been charged with, quote, training for terrorist activities, unquote. Um, and in this case, the, they were originally charged with the uh, alleged crime of um, planning to destroy a virtual federal security service building that they created in Minecraft. You create, um, you know, all kinds of things in Minecraft, virtual things. And so these three boys created a virtual Federal Security Service building. Now, the Federal Security Service in Russia is the principal security agency of Russia. It's uh, the headquarters are in Moscow. And it's also the main successor agency to the Soviet Union's KGB. And the principal responsibilities of the Federal Security Service is or are counterintelligence and counterterrorism. So they built this Federal Security Service building in Minecraft, and then they plan to destroy it, but, you know, destroy it virtually. Of course, the idea is um, they were destroying it virtually, you know, in this computer game, but was this a uh, preliminary tactic um, to to destroying it, were they ultimately planning on destroying it in real life? Um, so they are now in a, um, this is the case um, that the idea that a child's play can constitute terrorism, of course, is very controversial. 
and it had they have entered into a kind of legal nether you know this alternate dimension in minecraft but in real life these three boys <laughs> are in a legal nether um and uh it is you know they've been charged with a number of things so um they dismissed in fact this original case related to minecraft but um, they have found that these three boys have done other things. And in other words, that they are seeing these three teens as um, sort of loose cannons who are, maybe they're playing with Minecraft today, but they are thinking that they are planning other things tomorrow because they have actually done other things. Now, these three boys who are friends from school are called Nikita Uvarov, Dennis Mikhelenko and Bogdan Andreev. And um, the idea is what, the, what Russia is investigating, one of the things about them is that they are trying to decide if their friendship, the three of them, their friendship um, is enough to call them a terrorist cell. But, um, but they decided that no, the, the friendship didn't have enough um, uh, subdivisions, enough structure to call it as a terrorist cell. You know, they, they couldn't find like a specific, um, a, a specific structure that would be enough to call them a terrorist cell, but they have other charges against them. And um, they, for example, there are, is a charge from the Russian criminal code uh, which describes, quote, training for the purpose of carrying out terrorist activities. So they are looking at this Minecraft uh, virtual attack as uh, training for the purpose of, of carrying out a real attack. Um, they're no longer, you know, they're no longer um, saying that this blowing up of a, of a federal um, security service virtual building is um, evidence that they established an online terrorist network, but they are still looking at them as um, uh, early stage terrorists. And uh, they face from seven to 10 years in prison. And this is on charges, even other charges that come from their having been detained a year ago for pasting leaflets supporting a jailed anarchist on the local federal security service building. <laughs> so it's all connected to the, you know, they are pretty much obsessed with the federal <laughs> security service building. Um, so they were, after they were arrested, they determined that the boys had constructed at least one Molotov cocktail and set it alight in March, 2020. And then um, they claim that, the, after, that in May, the next May, 2020, these three friends used another Molotov cocktail to set fire to an abandoned building. And then between May and June, they are charged with producing and detonating an Amokisa, that is a kind of explosive, an Amokisa explosive, and, um, you know, an explosive device, basically. Um, and they, they um, found communication 
amongst the three of them on Telegram and other places online. And in these discussions, they talked about the American rock musician, uh, Kurt Cobain, and they talked about his, quote, fierce revolutionary struggle. They also talked about the Yellow Vest movement in France and anti-government protests in Belarus and um, a czarist-era Russian anarchist, Kropotkin. Um, what's interesting is they've been described by their parents and school officials as curious yet rebellious students with an interest in anarchy. The school, listen to this, the school director said they were normal children, like usual, like other kids. Um, uh, then he said, in the case of some of their parents, there was insufficient control. They were rude, snapped sometimes at school. And they, they had passed these, posted these, pasted these leaflets um, on the building that supported a jailed university student named Azat Miftakov, um, and he is the anarchist. Well, we need to uh, take a break now. I will um, tell you a little bit more about these three. They're, they're really fascinating, actually, um, because uh, what's fascinating is, you know, what their mothers and their the school director and so on had to say about them um, in regard to, you know, in regard to, in defense of them. Well, stay tuned. We will be back with more about these three rude boys. <laughs> Um, when we come back. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. We're talking today about kids as terrorists and as targets. So starting off with a story in Russia about three boys who um, were practicing their terrorist and anarchist uh, views, <laughs> fantasies, uh, on Minecraft, with Minecraft, by creating virtual uh, buildings and so on, and then blowing them up. Um, so now the, uh, the mother of one of the boys said she was aware of their pyrotechnic activity. She said, quote, I always knew where the child was, even when they were making these bombs, but it was a small childish prank, a child's bomb. Um, and she was saying that the investigators skewed the boy's testimony. Um, and she gives us an example of this, the fact that they, um, instead of calling the devices that the, the way the boys um, describe it as bombachki, which means little bombs, the investigators called them bombs. <laughs> okay. Um, then another mother said that the investigators searched her home, and they found a toy musket. And um, then after, when, when they realized that investigators were looking into their kids, they looked at their phones and saw that they had recorded a video of them throwing a Molotov cocktail. Um, 
One of them has a lawyer and he is with the Russian Legal Defense Organization. And he says the guys were really cooking something up with chemicals and were playing with something. But they went far into a field to a deserted place and did it there. One was very fond of history. The other loved chemistry. Uh, and I know my client had no thoughts of doing anything more. Um, two of them confessed, you know, uh, possibly, well, they, while facing uh, pressure, threats, and promises, um, two of them confessed, and then they retracted their confessions. Um, they, one of them, one of the mothers said that the investigators tricked the parents into implicating their own children. Um, the one with the lawyer refused to confess, and um, and that caused the uh, investigators to accuse him of being the leader of the group. And he now is in uh, pretrial detention. He's been in detention for eleven months. And they are comparing these um, kids with other young people in Russia who have uh, not been in line with the official line, <laughs> and they've been accused of extremism. And so, for example, um, the one that the three teens were expressing support for in their leaflets, Miftakov, um, he is an avowed anarchist and a graduate student at Moscow State University, or he was a graduate student. Um, and uh, he was 25 years old when he was sentenced to six years in prison for aggravated hooliganism. Aggravated hooliganism, okay. After being found guilty of involvement in an arson attack against the ruling United Russia Party's office in Moscow in 2018. Um, now, there's a Russian human rights organization called Memorial, and they said that um, his body showed signs of torture. And then there are other examples. In 2020, eight young men and women were found guilty of charges that they had created an extremist group called New Greatness, and they had received sentences from a four-year suspended sentence to seven years imprisonment um, after their, in, their chat group was infiltrated by someone from the um, Federal Security Service. Um, then in 2020, there was um, seven. There were seven activists who belonged to a group called SET or the Network, and they were sentenced to prison terms of six to 18 years, and they were found guilty of planning terrorist attacks to destabilize Russia's presidential election and hosting of the World Cup in 2018. Um, they, just, they tried to say that their group never existed. And even though they shared anti-fascist views, they merely played BB gun war games together. And some of them said that they were subjected to torture. So back to these three young men from Minecraft. Um, they are saying the lawyer of the one is saying he's he's not saying exactly that the entire case was fabricated, but um, he says there have that um, 
you know, they could have, what he's saying is that it could have been done. It wasn't, nothing serious had happened yet, really, in terms of anybody being hurt. And so um, he was saying that it could have been done in a different way. Like they could have summoned the director of the school for a meeting to try to talk and sort things out. And he said, but instead, boom, immediately to interrogation. He said, 10 years ago, the, the matter might have been settled by a spanking with a belt, but now everything is different and it will get worse. Bum, bum, bum. All right. Um, then the other example of a terrorist, uh, wannabe terrorist, is a 24-year-old man. Now, why I'm calling him a kid is because his first example of violence um, was when he was 16 years old. And he um, stabbed a, a homeless person. Um, and so he was put in jail for stabbing a homeless person when he was 16. And when he was in jail, so he's now 24. And when he was in jail, um, he, he started writing a diary and continued writing a diary um, and doing things, um, other things, uh, after he was... Uh, uh, discharged, you know, released from jail. So his name is Robert Gregory, and he fantasized. He's uh, was just jailed for four and a half years. He pleaded guilty to terror offenses, and his story also related to the internet. Um, he watched YouTube videos for how to make do-it-yourself bombs. Those, that's what he is just has just been jailed for for four and a half years, and he pled guilty to it. I mean, obviously, there would have been uh, evidence, you know, to show that he went to these sites. Um, he uh, admitted to watching two videos about how to construct explosives. One was called How to Make a Mini Bomb, and the other was called How to Make a Simple Bomb, Do It Yourself. Now, he had uh, fantasized killing former Prime Minister Theresa May and blowing himself up in a mosque. And then he watched these YouTube videos. Um, when he was asked why he wanted to commit these violent attacks, he said, quote, I want to stand up for my people. Now, he is a Caucasian um, British young man. So presumably um, that is what he was talking about. Um, and he was caught when police discovered these online searches about, you know, making a bomb. And also they seized his diary. So he, um, the judge, when the judge sentenced him to four and a half years in jail, he called him um, a clear, he said that he had clear terrorist motivations. And the judge also said, you present a very high risk of harm to the public. He was also put on, he was also given a terrorism notification order, which means that he will be closely, mo closely monitored for 30 years after he gets out of jail after these four and a half years. Now, he's had some really interesting um, entries in his diary. Um, he, he, you know, it was eight days after he was released uh, from prison that he started looking up these bomb, you know, do-it-yourself bomb uh, videos on YouTube. And um, in his diary, though, he had um, some interesting entries. For example, 
Uh, he wrote that he wanted to stab the then Prime Minister Theresa May and, quote, kill as many MPs on road to Downing Street, unquote. He also wrote that he would like to, quote, kill a news reporter live on TV, unquote, and, quote, blow myself up in a mosque, unquote. Now, it, it is thought that he was inspired by the Christ Church mosque shootings from 2019. Um, he had searched on the internet how to justify killing a Muslim and where can I buy a gun in Bournemouth, which is where he was, he's from. Um, he put, also he wrote, in his diary was what really condemned him, you know, um, he wrote about this Christchurch mosque shootings. Um, he said that that was, quote, not enough. Not enough people were killed in the Christchurch mosque shootings in 2019. And in that shooting, there were 51 people who were shot dead by a white supremacist. He also wrote in his diary, quote, got news of terror attack in New Zealand. Finally, we are taking a stand. Why, he also wrote, quote, why do Muslims continue to condemn attacks on their own people, not the ones on us? Um, let's see. Then he wrote, uh, he was, wrote something asking if an attack is still a terror attack if the attacker is not Muslim. And he wrote about his plans to recruit, quote, troops, unquote, that he would radicalize over a period of time. He also wrote about um, planning to get in touch with ISIS to learn how to make a suicide vest. Quote, try to get hold of ISIS terrorist group once out of prison, although I am not a Muslim, so I can learn to make suicide vest. Um, then he, one of the videos that he watched um, showed how to make a bomb using uh, a card and, and fireworks, card, cardboard and fireworks. And the other showed how to make a time bomb using household items, including a clock and a mousetrap, a clock and a mousetrap. That's interesting. And so he said that uh, he, first when he when the police, you know, found this diary and so on, at first he denied that he wrote them. <laughs> Not very bright. And he claimed that he got along with Muslims. Now, his attorney is saying his defense as his defense um, that the videos that he watched were easily accessed, accessed on YouTube. Uh, for example, the one about the time bomb had eight hundred and forty five thousand views. And the other one had 388,000 views. So he was saying you didn't have to have any special skills to find these videos. They were on YouTube, which is really, you know, a good point. But clearly this young man, since 16, when he um, stabbed a homeless person, I mean, it's more, it seems more like he has, um, you know, certainly he has mental problems. It's not just, this is not a typical wannabe terrorist um, although, as I've long talked about, you know, it's not mutually exclusive. People who have mental illness are, in fact, more vulnerable to becoming terrorists for a number of reasons. Um, so 
And so the lawyer said many of the diary entries that are referred to are extremely difficult to listen to, but they are diary entries of a man in prison over the course of two years, and they are not part of the offense that he is convicted with for his plea. But surely the judge, you know, sees that this man is a ticking time bomb, literally. Well, when we come back, so that was, uh, I've just told you the story about two, uh, two stories about kids as terrorists particularly related to using the internet for inspiration. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about kids as targets of terrorists. So stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about kids as terrorists and kids as targets. So now we are going to be talking about kids as targets. I mean, to tell you the truth, whether we're talking about kids as wannabe terrorists, you know, kids accused of terrorism and so on uh, in the early stages Um, or kids as targets, just the whole idea of talking about kids connected to terrorism is just so tragic and sad. Um, And, you know, whether they're targets or terrorists. Um, So now let's talk about the targets. This is about, and you may have heard about this, or perhaps not, (laughs) you know, it's interesting how terrorism We don't hear enough about um, terrorism in mainstream media, but you may have heard about this. The bombing outside of an Afghan school, um, this just happened recently. And um, uh, there was a bombing outside of a school in Kabul, Afghanistan, and it was timed so that it would be most likely to uh, kill girls, not boys. They did it at a time when girls would be leaving the school, a high school. And uh, that is not a coincidence. And you'll hear a little bit more about why. Now, each time, uh, as this story goes on in the news, at first they were saying, you know, at least 50. Now it's at least 68 killed and um, at first they were saying at least uh, 100 wounded, and then it went to 150, now it's at 165. And part of the reason, this is kind of a chilling part of the story. Um, so part of the reason why the actual number wasn't determined at first was because the bomb uh, bombs, there were three explosions, and they were so close to the school that some of the people um, were actually incinerated. Their bodies weren't found. They are now, they are missing. Really sad, especially really sad when we're talking about kids. So, and this of course, um, you know, is happening, not not a coincidence, uh, that it is happening at the time that, getting closer to when American and NATO troops uh, are going to be removed, or that's the plan in any case. 
Um, so the Taliban uh, and ISIS um, are feeling empowered knowing that the time is near for the troops to be removed. Now it's interesting. Actually, President Trump had said, had set a date for removing the troops as May 1st, but there is, Trump would not have removed the troops um, without a lot more careful planning than um, it seems like is being done now. Now, President Biden has said that he's going to remove them completely by 9-11, by the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So, you know, they're feeling, uh, they're feeling like uh, it's going to be a free-for-all, which, I mean, it's already begun to be a free-for-all um, between the Taliban and ISIS. And, 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 and you know, the ISIS, first of all, nobody, um, an interesting fact is that nobody has yet claimed responsibility for this bombing outside the Afghan school. The Taliban hasn't claimed responsibility. Typically, um, you know, typically, whether it's ISIS or the Taliban or whoever, whatever terrorist group, um, they proudly claim responsibility for attacks. Um, you know, unless, in this case, unless the Taliban is trying to, you know, trying to not wanting to get in the way necessarily of the troops being all removed or what I think is that um, it could well have been ISIS and they are trying to destabilize talks between the Taliban and the Afghan government, like making the Afghan government think that it was the Taliban who did this. In any case, let me tell you a little bit more of the story here. Um, so men, most of the, of the victims um, were teenage girls leaving class and um, the high school was Syed Ul Shahuda High School. And there has, before this attack, there has been concern already begun that um, by rights groups and other groups, they are afraid in particular that the American troop withdrawal would leave women and girls at most risk of, um, of being killed or injured, of having their uh, educational and social gains ruined because the Taliban does not want women, <laughs> girls or women, to, um, to get ahead, basically. And so, um, so there has, before this attack, there were fears. And in fact, a year ago, you may remember, and I did a podcast about this, you could find that, um, about a year ago, there was a uh, an attack, a bomb attack at a maternity ward at a local hospital. And there were 24 women and babies killed in that attack. So this, you know, goes along with the whole idea of wanting to uh, prevent, you know, wanting to kill women, hating women, um, wanting to prevent women from getting ahead, wanting to show their uh, their power over women. So, um, so you know, this, this hope that if the uh, troops are withdrawn, the, of course, the hope was that there might be a lasting ceasefire and um, less murders, less violence, but this is not seeming to be the case. 
Um, so first there was a car bomb that was detonated in front of the school. And then as students rushed out, there were two more bombs that were set off. And um, the, on social media, the Taliban denied responsibility. They condemned the attack. Again, we don't know if that is true or not, or if they're just saying that. Um, this high school has classes for boys in the uh, morning and for girls in the afternoon. And the attack occurred at around four o'clock, which is the time that the girls leave the school. And also the streets were packed with residents because um, they were preparing for the end of the holy month of Ramadan. So it was the teen girls, the high school girls, but also residents in the street. And um, the, the pictures, you know, you can find pictures of this Oh, and it's really sad. There are books and backpacks and bodies scattered across the ground on what had been a pleasant spring afternoon. Um, now, the president blamed it on the Taliban and they call he called it or the presidential palace called it in Afghanistan, called it a crime against humanity. Um, the chairwoman of the Afghanistan Independent Human Rights Commission wrote on social media, I have lost count of attacks harming children. I have lost count of attacks on education. I have lost count of civilians killed even just this month. This war must stop, this madness, this hurt, this pain. Then a resident of the area said two of his relatives were missing. He said, I checked at least 10 hospitals and they were nowhere to be found. People have gathered in the area. They are really angry. It is not for the first time that our kids got blown up and the government doesn't do anything. Well, here's a chilling story. Um, uh, giving you a warning. <laughs> um, the... Um, the uh, a person um, who came to pick up his two daughters saw a man in a Toyota sedan um, parked outside the school. And he saw that the man was shaking and he thought it was that the man was nervous. And he asked the man what he was doing. And the man said, none of your business. And then moments later, the car exploded. So needless to say, the man was nervous, expecting his, uh, expecting his um, um, death, you know, like a suicide, a suicide car bomb, basically. Um, so now before the, um, you know, be between 1996, before 2001, before 9-11, um, the Taliban barred women and girls from taking most jobs or going to school. Now, in the 20 years that, the tr that America sent, you know, after 9-11, America sent troops to Afghanistan. And so it's been 20 years. And since then, um, the international community, America and, you know, lots of other countries championed women's rights and human rights 
more broadly in the country. So after the fall of the Taliban in 2001, when America came in, um, you know, women got made lots of uh, girls and women made lots of, of progress. And now, of course, it looks like that is going to be over. Um, so, you know, what's the question? The question is, um, the question is, we need to be very careful. What's the, what's the bottom line? What's the lesson, I should say? The lesson is that we should not rush <laughs> to pull out. I mean, yes, of course, we don't want Americans dying or even people from other countries who, who are in Afghanistan trying to keep the peace. We don't want them dying. We don't want to lose lives. But uh, people who you know risk their lives to go in to try to have peace but um, I think we need, the lesson is that we need to remove them a lot more slowly. Um, and because otherwise, it, from, from these early signs, it looks like there is going to be complete violent chaos. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.